All right, if you have your Bibles, guys, we're in Luke 24. Luke 24, that is the last chapter of Luke, if you are keeping up, which means we are almost done. Um, we've been in Luke for uh, right at two years, and we finish it next week, which is crazy to me. Uh, it has been a, a great privilege. Last week, guys, we looked at our Lord uh, on the cross, and we, we talked about why that had to happen. Right, that in order to justify guilty sinners, Jesus had to endure the injustice of the cross. And that, hear me, that's exactly, the cross was injustice, right? We, we, we walked through that long passage together. We read uh, 70-something plus verses, and, and, and we, we picked up on those themes, right? That Jesus was divine. This was God. This was God hanging on the cross. That Jesus was innocent. We had, we had people declare the innocence of Jesus, everybody from Pilate to Herod to a thief hanging next to him to a, a Roman centurion. They all saw that he, he, was, he was not guilty, and yet here he is hanging between two thieves. And it, it, It's unjust, but we, we also said it had to happen because God is just, right? And the Bible declares that the wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die. And so in Jesus, God did the unthinkable. He took our place. He took our penalty upon himself. He died in our place. And so we learned that last week as we looked at the cross. Now, if you're following along in the text, that concludes chapter 23. Then chapter 24 is all about the resurrection. And so chapter 24, verse 1 through 12, we actually covered Easter Sunday. Uh, and that's a long time for some of you, and you don't remember uh, what we were talking about, and that is okay, but uh, as the story goes, the women come to the tomb now on Resurrection Sunday, and uh, they are not hopeful that Jesus is alive. Uh, rather, their hands give them away, because their hands are full of spices for the dead body of Jesus. And so uh, that morning we talked about this truth, that sometimes it's easier to believe in the life and the death of Jesus than it is to believe that He is alive and wants to live in you. Then we looked at the, the stone. Why was it rolled away? You ever think about that? Why was the stone rolled away? Jesus didn't need it to be rolled away. He had a resurrection body. He could appear and disappear. He could, he could um, kind of hide his identity, like, like in our text today, where people couldn't recognize him. He could walk through walls, as we find in parallel accounts. Uh, Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away. So why was the stone rolled away? And of course, we said, well, God knows that sometimes... We struggle with doubt, right? So he, he rolled away the stone to invite us in for a closer look. And we talked about the angels that appear and they, they speak to the women. And, and it's interesting because they remind the women of what Jesus had told them. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Don't you remember? He said that he was going to have to suffer and die and that he was going to be raised from the dead, right? He said that. And so the angels remind them. We said, you know what? God knows that sometimes we're prone to forget. So he reminds us of his plans and his purpose, right? And then our final point, uh, that Easter Sunday, was that God knows we're empty. Even though we try to act like we're not. The Bible talks about the fact that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. And we said, God knows we're empty. So he left the tomb that way. He left the tomb that way on purpose to remind us that he is alive, and that we can be too. Now that's chapter 24, 1 through 12. As we pick up today, we're going to find our risen Lord and Savior. 
and we're going to look at his conversations and interactions with the disciples, and we're going to see what truth we can glean from that, okay? So pray with me, if you don't mind. Uh, Father, we come before you, and we are thankful for these ancient words. We're so thankful, Lord, that it was your will to have these recorded for us, because I believe we can truly say that we would not be here today without them. Father, it doesn't take a lot of research in history to find all of the men and the women whose blood was literally spilled so we could have the Bible. All from the early church and the persecution up through the Reformation and those people that believed there should never be any separation between you and common man. They fought to have the Bible translated and and put in every man's language. And God, time and time again, they were put to death for it. And so when we gather and we get to read your word in our own language, God, I pray we wouldn't take that for granted. I pray we wouldn't take that for granted. Holy Spirit, um, in this church, we, we consistently want to recognize you as the teacher and the guide of our church. So Holy Spirit, we come and we invite you now to come and to take your place at this pulpit and to teach all of us the words of Jesus, that he might be lifted up and that he might draw all of us unto himself. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. I'm in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read all the way through 49. You say, wait a second, Pastor, why don't we just finish? Hey, hold on now. Listen, I'm the one that made the preaching calendar. You guys just have to live with it, all right? The ascension is next week. It's where the break is, and so... Uh, starting in verse 13, it says, Now, uh, that same day, that same day, it means this is Resurrection Sunday. This is the same day that the women went to the tomb. This is the same day that they found the stone rolled away. This is the same day that they found the tomb empty. This is that same day. This is Resurrection Sunday. So, so, so now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing. How cool is that? I'm just saying, that's just cool, right? That is just cool. You ever feel like the Lord was just walking with you? You're just about in your day, kind of going through life. You didn't even recognize it was him at the moment, right? Right? But, but, but something is said by somebody you have never met before or, 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 or suddenly you're just, you're, you're just walking and, and your spirit is just reminded and it's lightened of some burden you've been carrying and, and you move on and, and at some point you sit down and go, oh, wow, something happened back there. Something really cool just happened back there. And so they're walking and Jesus just appears and he starts walking with them. They don't recognize him. Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along this road? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet and powerful in word and deed before God and and all of the people, the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one 
who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Uh, In Greek, it means blew our minds, by the way. That's an old statement. That's not a new thing. Some of the women blew our minds. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. It's like they didn't trust the women, right? They went. It was just like they said. They did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going a little farther. But they urged him strongly. There must have been a pool there. Stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were were not our hearts burning within us while uh, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and at my feet. It is I. It's I myself. Touch me and and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Three things uh, I want to share with you out of this text this morning. The first thing I want to do is focus on these disciples' disappointment. So here's the first thing I want to share with you this morning. I want you to know that if you are disappointed with Jesus, it is probably because you don't understand your true need for deliverance. If you're disappointed with Jesus, it is probably because you don't understand your need 
for deliverance. I want you to follow me here. So there are two very uh, little-known disciples in, in our text. Cleopas, we're like, where did this guy come from? And they don't even name the other guy. And they're, they're walking uh, on the road to Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they're walking, they're talking with one another. What else can they talk about but, but all that has happened? They've just heard from the women that they went to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. And so now the, this conversation, what do you think has happened? I don't know, but they, they killed him. We saw him. He was dead, right? And, and, and the, the, the stone was sealed. I mean, they actually had it sealed. How was the seal broken? How was it rolled away? What is this stuff about angels? And so they're just talking with one another as, as they walk down the road. And Jesus appears and he says, hey, what, what are you talking about? What are you guys talking about? And, 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 and their response to Jesus is extremely telling. In fact, I, I would submit to you that their response is one of the most telling statements about misplaced hope and expectation in all of the Bible. Let's read it together. It's 18 through 21. Jesus says what things? In verse 19, uh, 18, it says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and you don't know the things that have happened? Jesus says, what things? And then this is their response. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet and powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. You guys catch it? It's right there in verse 21. These disciples are, are deeply disappointed in Jesus' death, and they're deeply disappointed, uh, get this, because they had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They're deeply disappointed in the death of Jesus because they had hoped that he would redeem and restore Israel. They were hoping for a political deliverance. That's what they were waiting on. And Jesus didn't give them the political deliverance that they wanted. And so they're disappointed. I, I, I just, I struggle with this, right? They, they have misplaced their hope and now they are disappointed in Jesus. Please hear me if you get nothing else out of today. The majority of our frustrations with God stem from our misunderstanding of Him. And from our idolatry. From our misplaced hopes. Would you say that again? Our frustrations with God, the majority of them, stem from our misunderstandings of Him and from our misplaced hope. Our idolatry. See, these, these men, they wanted political deliverance. They wanted national deliverance. Uh, nationalism very much was a, a, a huge idol in, in, in the life of the Jews of Jesus' day. That sound familiar, by the way? <laughs> They, they wanted it so badly that it, it, it actually caused them to misinterpret all of the scriptures and what God had said about his coming son, right? And, and, and so when we throw around that word idol, we don't do that lightly. Some, some people think that, well, idols, that's just the Bible says that's stuff that was carved um, out of wood or it was, it was chiseled out of stone. Idols are just things that, that people bow down to. No, idols are anything that, that, that we give attention to. I love how Timothy Keller um, defines what an idol is in his book, Counterfeit God. He says, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then, 
Then I'll, I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. An idol is anything that we say, if, if that happens, when that happens, then I'll have peace. Then I'll be made whole. Then, uh, uh, that's the thing. An idol is anything that we set our hope in falsely. That hope that is supposed to only belong to Jesus, right? And that's why... Jesus comes to these Jews, these Jews who misplaced their hope and, and, and Jesus restoring their nation. They longed for the days of old when Israel was a world power. They wanted this political deliverance. What I'm going to tell you today, my friends, is that we still struggle with this misplaced hope thing. I think sometimes we think in America idols are, are, are done except for the show, you know, which they're bringing back. You can't kill that show for crying out loud. Bringing it back. Ryan Seacrest again. Are you kidding me? We can't find anybody else to host this show. Maybe our idol isn't nationalism. Though I might challenge a few people on that here in America. Maybe our idol is what we call instead the American dream. Life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, whatever that is. I think if we're honest about that, we could break that down and say what we really mean is wealth, health, and security. Right? Freedom. Here's what I'm going to say to you, ready? If your hope in Jesus is for any of those temporary things... If your hope in Jesus is for any of those temporary things, then there is a huge probability that at some point you're going to be disappointed by God. It's a huge... Because, because what you're doing is you're actually misplacing your hope. You're, you're wanting Jesus to provide you with, with something that is, is really not of, of, of importance... <laughs> Right? You're, you're wanting, you're saying to Jesus, listen, listen, I'm, I'm going to place my hope in you, but I'm not placing my hope in you um, for salvation. I'm not placing my hope in you for, for um, sanctification. I'm not placing my hope and my, my trust in you that you're truly in control. I'm placing my hope in you that you will deliver unto me the idol that I have created for myself. And when God chooses not to deliver unto us our idol, we get upset with him. We get disappointed. Listen. Maybe your debt's bad. And you just think, if we could just get out of this debt, we would be restored. Life would be okay. If we could just get out of debt, life would be okay. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, you need deliverance much greater than something a financial planner or a generous friend could give you. You say, uh, well, it's my health, Pastor. I just can't seem to shake this stuff. If, if God would just fix this thing in me, then, then, I, then everything would be okay, right? I'm here to tell you, no, you actually need deliverance much greater than anything any drug or any doctor could provide. You say, no, no, Pastor, mine's security. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so insecure with all that's going on in our world and our nation and, 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 and I'm, I'm just anxious, I'm fearful and I'm, I'm here to tell you, yeah, well you, you, you need deliverance for more than anything that on, a, on some alarm company or anti-anxiety med could provide. 
Your, your, your need for deliverance is much greater than that. What we need deliverance from, friends, is, is the devil himself. We, we need deliverance from the slavery of sin, um, which, which ultimately ends in death. We need deliverance from the power of death. That's what we need. And that's what God has provided in, in Christ. And if you think that Jesus came for any other reason, if you try to apply his promises to your idols, you will be deeply disappointed just like these disciples. You been there? Frustrated with God? Upset, feeling like he doesn't love you? Really? He doesn't love you? Look, look, look at the cross. Just, just look at the cross and then try to tell me that God doesn't love you. Because he, he didn't deliver you from the idol that you've created. God doesn't love God has delivered you from what you truly needed deliverance from. The power of sin and death. Slavery to the devil. This is why Jesus came to set the captives free. That's what it means. And any time we try to take those promises and apply them to the idols that we've built up in our lives... We're going to find ourselves in deep disappointment. That's not a good place to be for a disciple of Christ. It's not a good place to be. So we begin there. Second thing I'm going to share with you this morning. All right, It's kind of a biggie. Jesus is the central figure of the Bible and key to understanding and interpreting Scripture. Right? Jesus is the central figure of the Bible and key to understanding and interpreting Scripture. Verse 25 through 27 he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. And then in verse 45, when he pierced to the rest of the disciples, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Friends, I don't know about you, but I see this as a great, merciful act of love, right? Can we just recap what has happened here for a moment? Jesus has just died to redeem all sinners, right? Like, that has just happened. He, he has just suffered a cruel death on the cross. Uh, he has conquered death. He has risen again. He now appears to his disciples and asks them, hey, what are you talking about? And you know what they are? They're disappointed. <laughs> they are disappointed in his death. You know the bracelets, what would Jesus do? <laughs> That's dangerous if you have a J name. What would Jason do? Because I tell you what, if I'd endured the agony of the cross for somebody else's sake, and I showed up um, ha having conquered death, right? Having conquered the grave, and I show up, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And you say, I'm disappointed in you. Be like, fire from heaven now, Lord. Let's go. I mean, lay them out, right? I mean, just lay them out, Jesus. Lay them out. I, I, I struggle with that with my children. I just got to be honest, right? Good golly. Went to Galveston this weekend for my, for my uncle's. Uh, funeral, just a little short three-hour car ride where we pay for a hotel room, we take children out to eat. I don't like this. I don't like them. <laughs> I'm about to fashion you a spear and drop you off in the wilderness. Do you understand me? And then you can come back and tell me you didn't like that hamburger. That cost me $14. <laughs> Oh, 
See, if it were somebody else, and here we are and we're faced with just really utter ingratitude, I think rightfully so, we would just almost want to prove a lesson. But Jesus doesn't. That's why this is so loving. Jesus doesn't do that with us. Praise God that he doesn't do that with us, right? Instead, what he does is lovingly, tenderly, he opens their minds to, to the scriptures. And, and beginning, it says, with, with, with Moses, beginning with, with the books of, of Moses, that's the Pentateuch, and, and then going all the way through, through the prophets, he explains to them what all of the scriptures say about himself. Can you imagine that conversation for a moment? Right? I mean, I mean, from the beginning, from, from the beginning, he starts in Genesis, friends. I mean, the, the books of, can you imagine as they're walking along the way and they're just kind of walking along the way and Jesus is like, so, um, what I'm telling you is I am actually the true Adam, right? And just as sin and death entered the world, um, through one man, so life and forgiveness have entered the world through me. And they're like, whoa, oh my gosh. They're walking along the way, and he's like, so, uh, and then, you know, Moses, you guys, I know you guys love Moses. He's like your idol, speaking of idols. Uh, I, I know you love Moses, but I, I you know, and, and, and you praise him as the deliverer of, of the nation of Israel that he brought them out of Egypt. But, but as we're walking around, I just, I want to I wanna tell you, I'm actually the true Moses. And I haven't come to deliver you out of slavery to another country but I actually came to deliver you out of slavery from the hands of the devil himself. And they go, oh my gosh. They said, you know what, while we're talking about Moses, by the way, did you guys just miss it when they took my body down off the cross? You remember the Passover and, and, and how you would take the blood and you would put it on your doorpost and it would be here and here and it would be... When, when they took my body off the cross, did you not see the blood stains where my head and my hands were? You miss that imagery? <laughs> My father commanded you to do that year after year, so you wouldn't miss it. You miss that? That I'm the true Passover lamb? He, he, he keeps walking through Genesis and he says, you know, hey, hey, uh, Joshua, did you know? Like, like I, I know you guys saw him as, as the conqueror, right? And he, 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 he brought the people into the promised land. Did you know that I'm actually the true Yeshua? Did you know that? I didn't come to bring you into a new land. I came to bring you an entire new life, a life that is full of more abundance than any land could ever provide here on earth. And their minds are blown. And the conversation just continued as he walked them through all of the books of Moses and then through all of the books of the prophets. I I can't even imagine the conversation. No wonder they cry out in verse 32, right? We're not our, our hearts burning within us while we, we, we talked on the road as he opened the scriptures to us. And I'm here to say to you, God can still do that to you today. Of course, it's a little different now. He does it through the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about him in a minute, but that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit's role is to be our teacher and to be our guide and to, to open up the scriptures to us. And the way that the Holy Spirit opens up the scriptures to us, friends is by exalting Jesus. Get this. Uh, in, uh, in John 16, 14, uh, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. This is his role. He will glorify me. That is the Holy Spirit's role. 
Right? The Holy Spirit's role is not to draw attention to himself. It's not to exalt himself. It's not, uh, his role is to, to lift up Jesus, to bring glory to Jesus. And the reason why is because Jesus is the central figure of the Bible. And he is the key to understanding and interpreting all scripture. So next time you read your Bible, um, I think maybe you should pray a little prayer beforehand. Something like this. Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. Set my heart on fire. Amen. It's a good prayer. Since we're talking about him, share this last point, okay? Number three. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God, and he is our source for power, uh, for sharing Christ. Holy Spirit is the promise of God, and he's our source of power for sharing Christ. Uh, So verse 46 through 49 says, He told them, this is what is written then, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses, witnesses of these things. I am going to send you... What my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have what? Been clothed with power from on high. All right, listen. I do not care what the Discovery Channel says. Naked is not a good thing. All right? Just going to be on. Since the Garden of Eden, naked's not been good. All right? That's why God killed some things to cover up nakedness. And I, I don't know about you. We live pretty close to, uh, to a kind of an infamous place around here. I've met a few of them in town. I'm just going to say, I have never met a good-looking nudist. I've ne- it's never happened. And unfortunately, I've met a few of them. And, and I, you know, I have conversations. I invite people to church a lot. And then somebody says, oh, yeah, well, we live at it. You know, fill in the blank, right? You know where it is. And, uh, and, 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 and you try not to in that moment. Moment. Um, but when you know that that's a nudist colony and you're shaking somebody's hand and you're looking at them, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying not to go, mm, like you're not trying to envision things. You know what I'm saying? But it's very, it's just difficult at times, right? I mean, some of you have met our, our neighbors uh, out and about here in life. And I'm just, I've never in my whole life, and unfortunately I've met a few of, I, I've met more than my share of nudists. I've just never met a good looking nudist. I'm just saying, I, I, I tried to think about this, that whole show, Naked and Afraid. Like in what kind of scenario would you actually ever end up naked on a desert island? Like I just, I just want to know what, what happened. It was a, it was a plane crash and, and we went into the ocean. That's why, as we did, all of my clothes ripped off and there I was, but I was totally okay. I was fine. And I mean, I can't imagine it would ever be better to survive naked than it would to be clothed. Like I, I, I thought about like, what, it, what, it, what about showing up to work? Would you ever show up to work naked? Ever? Wouldn't be a good thing. I don't care where you work. It would not be a good thing, right? I'm, no, I'm just, we work together. We work together. I'm just saying, this is work, right? It would not be a good thing. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not, not just you. I'm just all people. I, 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 what I'm saying is, is thank God for clothes. Amen? All right, thank God for clothes. Uh, sometimes it is just better to be dressed. In fact, in many cases, I would tell you it's just flat out necessary. And, and this thing called life, just living and breathing, is, is one of those cases. This thing called spiritual life is one of those cases. It is much better to be dressed than it is to be naked. You know, not long ago, we looked at spiritual warfare. And, uh, of course, the Bible says that we need to put on the full armor of God. We've got an enemy that's coming in. So we've got to get ready, dress for battle. I'm friends, the battle that this church has been through 
uh, in the last um, year and a half has been, uh, or two years, it's just been great. Um, we, we've had more people with cancer than I think we've ever had. Um, we've had struggles in marriage. We've had problems with kids. We've had, I mean, you, you name it, uh, health issues of all kinds, uh, on all sides, deaths. Um, we have been through the ringer, and we continue to be through the ringer. Um, it, it, it's not over yet. And more cancer diagnosed this, this, in this last week. I mean, it, it's, it is not over yet. And so as we instructed you, like our job is to fight, right? And, and so we've got to cover one another in prayer. We've got to lift one another up. Some of you that have been in the back resting, it's time for you to come back out in front because the people that have been out in front are taking blows and they need to catch their breath. And we, we, we operate as that, that Roman army linking our shields. And some of you that have been resting, you're going to have to get back to work so these guys that are getting whooped up on can, can catch their breath and recover. And then they'll come back and take um, your place. Uh, so it, it, it's important. We, we need to get dressed. But the Bible says we don't just need to get dressed for battle. It also says we need to be clothed in the Holy Spirit every day. And, and it actually says that this is, this is crucial and it's necessary that when we're clothed in the Holy Spirit, another way to say that is keeping in step with the Spirit, as Galatians 5 would call it. Um, it's really important. It's vital, Right? To, to, to ask the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, guide me today, lead me today. It is, it is key to being in step in the Holy Spirit, to being clothed in the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, clothes us in power, and he clothes us in power for a purpose, so that we can be witnesses for Jesus Christ, okay? Like, that is, that is the goal. So the Holy Spirit comes to clothe us in power so that we can be others. Another way to say that is the Holy Spirit is given to teach us so that we can reach others, right? Um, the Greek word for preach, means proclaim, and uh, so I want to do this this morning very quickly. We're going to have a little bit of a checkup, all right, uh, and I'm not, not like a physical, but a, maybe a spiritual physical. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a number real quick I'm going to jot down. Uh, close your eyes for me real quick, and let's see if we can do this, if I can make my phone uh, work with me. <coughs> real quick, super easy, all eyes closed, just super easy um, pop quiz here. Uh, how many people invited somebody to church this week? Just raise your hand. Oh, keep them up, because I'm slow. Hold on. You invited somebody to church. It's one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you. Um, you, can, you, you can put your hands down for a second. I just got to do some math. Okay. Um, okay, great. We're there. Uh, now, now... Um, how about this? How many people actually shared Christ with somebody this week? You actually witnessed to somebody. Just raise your hand. Like, I flat out witnessed to somebody. I told them. I proclaimed the goodness of Jesus. Uh, okay. 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 Awesome. Okay. So, um, here's, here's what I want to do real quick. Okay. All right. So uh, you guys look up here real quick. Just according to our numbers, I'm just going to share those numbers with you real quick. So uh, we've got uh, early service. We usually have about 75 to 85 people. We've got about 75 people here this morning. Uh, so according to just our little pop quiz, um, we uh, 12% of people in the room today invited somebody to church this week. 12%. Uh, Sharing Christ with somebody, actually like proclaiming the goodness of Jesus to somebody, which is actually the command. It's not just like invite people to church. That's kind of like the infant step. That's, the, that's step one. Like that's the easy, 
uh, way to do. Which, by the way, I encourage you, start there. That's a good place to start because sometimes it's hard to get up the courage to talk to somebody about Jesus, but inviting somebody to church is, is a good place. So, so 12% invited somebody to church this week. Um, only 6% shared Christ with somebody this week. 6%. You know what that means? What are we doing? We are naked and afraid, folks. The church is naked and afraid. That's not good. God has promised and provided power to do this thing. I get it. Like, it's uncomfortable, right? But God says, like, I'm actually giving you everything it takes. I'm providing you with all the power. Now go and get it done. Now go and get it done. Uh, and give you some application. I've got to be quiet uh, so you guys can go to Sunday school. Uh, I think these, this passage challenges us to do three things. And, and here's the first. I, I think we need to identify our idols. I, 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 I long for this for you. I don't want you to be disappointed in Jesus ever. Ever. Right? Jesus has, has provided more than we could ever ask for, right? And, and, and kind, of, kind, of, kind of the point of identifying our idols is, is that we say unto God, listen, like God, if I had nothing else and Jesus all I had was you, that is enough. That, that means that there is no, if that thing happens, then I'll be content. If that thing happens, then my life will be okay. If that healing comes, then I'll be all right. If, if, if my spouse returns, then I'm, I'm going to be okay. No, it is Jesus, if nothing else changes, I am, I am confident and secure secure in you right here, right now. You are enough, right? And so to get there, though, we have to identify the things that we idolize. And some of those things aren't, aren't awesome because um, we idolize romance and love, right? And, and, and so many of us have allowed our spouse to take the place of Jesus. That's not good, right? And, and then there's the kids, right, whom we love, and we actually have this natural uh, instinct in our lives to take care of and to protect and, and to coddle and all those kind of things. And do you know how easy it is for your kids to become an idol? Oh, my gosh. And before we know it, we drive them away or something happens, right? And, 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 um, and I, I hate to tell you, I'm not trying to burst your bubble, uh, but your kids are not even supposed to have the place of your spouse, right? Because uh, if that happens, um, one day they'll grow up, they'll go to college, you'll have nothing left, you'll get divorced, you'll ruin their lives, and um, every Thanksgiving from there on out, they'll have to figure out who they're going to go see, and uh, it, it'll wreck them. And it'll wreck them because you made an idol out of them, and uh, God said early on, it's in the Big Ten, don't make for yourself an idol out of anything, Right? And, and, and because you idolize your children, which, which is taking a good natural instinct and putting it to a place that it doesn't deserve, uh, you neglect your spouse, right? And that, that, that's a problem. And so, so I, I'm here to tell you, uh, whatever that is, that nationalism, um, 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 self-worth, uh, there's a million things, but you have to identify them. You have to figure them out. And, and then what you're going to have to do eventually is you're going to have to take them to God. You're going to have to go up the mountain. You're going to have to build the altar, and you're going to have to pull out your knife and say, God, I'm ready to kill this thing. Right? I, I, I need you to understand that there, there is nothing else in my place other than you. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to sacrifice this. Now, sometimes what happens in those positions when we're willing to do that is God will allow us to, to keep that thing in our life, but at a much lower place than we had given it priority before. Right? At a healthy place. Okay? But God says, you will have no other gods before me. Do you know what happens when you place the position of God on a person. <laughs> Nobody can bear that weight. Your spouse can't bear the weight of God, the hole in your heart that God created only for himself. Your spouse can't bear that. You'll ruin them. Your kids can't bear that. Your job can't bear that. 
There's no way. Your 401k can't carry that. You'll always be disappointed. So identify your idols. That's a hard step, but I want to encourage you to do that. If you struggle with that, great book I'd highly recommend, Counterfeit God by Timothy Keller. Uh, Awesome book. Uh, Two, I would challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus in the Scriptures. Right? Holy Spirit, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm about to get in it. Would you show me Jesus? Um, that's going to be our prayer as we start the story in just a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, uh, what are we, three weeks out? Three weeks out. Uh, in three weeks, we're going to start an adventure together through the entire Bible chronologically. It's going to take 31 weeks. We're going to go from Genesis all the way through Revelation. It's selected scripture readings. Um, there will be some things that are left out so that we can see the overarching story of God. And um, as we read, we're going to say... Holy Spirit, show us Jesus. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And so uh, I encourage you, God, light my, fi- my, my heart on fire again. I, I want that. And then finally, um, I'm going to challenge you to put on the promise and proclaim Jesus in power. Don't be naked and afraid, okay? Put on the promise and proclaim uh, Jesus in power. Uh, 12% is not okay. Not for the church of Christ, right? And I don't mean the church of Christ down the street. I mean the church of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I mean, okay, you get, you get what I'm saying, right? The people of God, 12%, 6% not okay. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We've got to do better. So uh, I, I want to encourage you with this uh, and challenge you with this too. You know, we're going to start the story, brand new thing. We think it can be life-changing. We think it's actually going to provide change in entire families. Uh, but guess what? We're not sending out mailers. We're not going to spend $1,000, $2,000 to send out 8,000, 10,000 mailers in the community. You know why? Because you have the ability to bring people. And you know what statistics say? The majority of people that come to church are personally invited. So you are going to be our advertisers. And we've purchased enough copies of the story that when we have materials out here in two weeks, that is in two weeks, uh, you can start picking them up in two weeks. We'll, we'll do them uh, on the 3rd and the 10th. You can pick up your copies. Uh, we'll start reading uh, that on the 10th or the 11th, and we'll come back and, and we'll talk about the first week that we read on the 17th. Um, you guys are going to have this awesome ability to take these books. We've bought a ton of them. And go out and invite another family to join you. Every family is going to have their own materials. So from youth to adult, you get um, this awesome hard copy right here. It's $20 value. That's free of charge. Uh, if you have young kids, we also give you a hardback kids version. And uh, that's free. And we're going to keep buying them as long as we need them. And, and uh, we're going to have a little bookmark in here that has an invitation on it um, and tells people how to get to the church and things like that. But we're just going to send you guys out. And you can take them and you can go out and, you know, you pray about it. You grab a, a copy and you go out and you invite a family. And you can give them a copy and uh, they come back they, after reading a copy and they need to get more copies. They can pick up all the rest of them. It's going to be awesome. But you guys, we're going to encourage you to get dressed. Okay? Get dressed. Let's not be naked and afraid. That's not why Jesus died. That is not why he ascended. That is not why the Spirit came. All right. I need to pray. Uh, we, we've got to get to Sunday school. So I'm going to pray as our ushers. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward uh, this morning as I pray. You guys just go ahead. You can walk and pray. It can happen. Um, just keep your eyes open. It'll be good. Uh, another usher. Somebody. There we go. All right, Rusty. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for loving us. Thank you so much for your word. Uh, This morning, I pray that you would be glorified as we take up your offering and we hear more about your story. Um, Jesus, help us be faithful in this as we give unto you a portion of all that you have given unto us. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.